Welcome to another episode of the Wolf and the Doctor podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Curry, alongside my co-host, Dr. John Devereux. And it's been a minute. <laughs> like, I don't even remember the last <laughs> time we recorded. It has to have been at least, you know, two months because uh, you've yeah. been over there racking up the money and um, yeah, no, business I'm, is booming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Business is booming. We're going to go ahead and start with like our quote of the week. And this conversation that we're going to ready to have today once you, know, you already don't know what we're going to be talking about, but um, yeah. I think it's going to ruffle some feathers, but oh, it can al- okay. <laughs> but it can also help future entrepreneurs. Like we haven't, like I said, we haven't recorded in about two months, so I've been just seeing a bunch of stuff. Like I can't wait till we get back on the podcast. So I can bring this up. <laughs> right. So the quote for this week is comes from this Instagram post. It said, "Bad clients." are all your fault because bad clients aren't born they're created so i think in all of our years of entrepreneurship whether it's through the real estate stuff through photography through other ventures in general we've all dealt with some bad clients absolutely is there one that stands out (laughs) in your mind well, just like in just real estate or just like in general? Just in general. Like, typically, like, if I think of a bad client that I had, there's always one person that <laughs> rises to the top. Like, it was just yeah. a really bad experience. So, I'll, I'm curious if you have the same. I wouldn't necessarily say, like, it's a bad client more so than a bad experience. Okay. Right? Um, dude, it was photography. And I, I, you already know, man. Like, when it comes to, like, photography, bro, you, you just run into the oddest of people. Mm-hmm. Right or the most uncomfortable situation, and you've been the lead photographer. You obviously are going to get blamed for like everything, right? Right, dude. I uh, I think it was uh, one of my first shoots. Right, not not really my first shoot. It was more so like of a uh, more so like of a modeling type of shoot that I did, and I was doing a lot of those starting off. Right, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it, this is before I was married too, so I, I, I don't do it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure you know that's out there, so I don't yeah. do those shoots anymore. No right? smoke, no smoke. Uh, but it was like a, it was like a, like kind of like a lingerie shoot, right? And it was super cool, right? Everything was great, and I thought it was great until I posted the work, right? I added it, I posted it. And it was real subtle. Like, it was nothing, like, super crazy or, you know, mm-hmm. X-ray to go put the kids to sleep. They can't see it type of thing. It was, right. like, super chill. I posted it, and the client mom is the one who kind of just tore me a new one, bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> it wasn't even really the client. So, it was the client's yeah. mom. And, dude, when I say it was probably the worst experience, I mean, threatened with lawsuits and defamation <laughs> of character. And for me, it was it was really because, I mean, the, the, the model that it was, she was like 22, 23. And I never came to her about the shoot, but she came to me about it. And, and I did it, right? And I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of dope. Bro, it was the worst experience. I'm talking about constant emails, constant threats. Took it down. But one thing that I did learn is I ended up getting a contract after that. Before then, mm. I never had a contract. I never had a contract with any person that did wedding, photo shoot, headshot, nothing. But what it taught me was that the work that I do is my work, right? Regardless of anything. And it just taught me, it taught me ownership, man. So it was like one of those bittersweet moments. 
and I mean that's the most important thing is that that lesson that you learned from it. Like after that, everything's in writing. You right? Yeah. So and people sign those contracts, so that automatically makes sure like a situation like that shouldn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think of like um, a client experience, and I'm gonna go a little bit more deeper into the the quote because it's a it was a full post. Like Buddy had like ten slides on Instagram <laughs> about this topic, and um, I, I'll share some of those points. But like one of the experiences that I had with a person, it came down to them trying to haggle the prices. Oh. And earlier on in my career, and I think, and actually, let me just go right into the quote because it, it, it ties right in like perfectly. He said that bad clients are created out of mismanagement, this desperation, and poor communication. And I would say that desperation is one of the things that I struggled hard with. Like when I first started, I'll use my photography business. Like, you know, early on in career, and I think this is for like any entrepreneur who provides a service or like, you know, certain products, like you want to get your stuff out there. So you tend to accept whatever clients you can get. Right. And we, we both been there. Like (laughs) when we started early on with photography, (laughs) you would shoot like a whole wedding for $30 or or something like that. But it's just really about, yeah. And I think oftentimes when you're dealing with customers and like they feel like they can, you know, negotiate that price with you, Mm -hmm. you give them an inch, they're going to try to take a mile. So have you had any experiences with people trying to, I guess, or have you had any experience with like being desperate in your business and then kind of just accepting whatever clients came with that? Early on. I think that's happens, right? And uh, like you said, the early stages, right? In the early stages, you just want the business. Like, yeah. you can care less about the quality of the client. And I think that's the most important thing is having quality clients. Like, everybody shouldn't have access to your business in yes. certain, uh, certain, you know, aspects. Um, and I know early on, I was accepting anybody. I would take any photo shoot as long as they were paying. But as I got better in my craft, I wanted better quality clients. How long did and that take? I- because that, that that's a good point. Like, how yeah. do you know when it's like, okay, this is what I've been doing, and it's time for me to transition. Like, I need better clients. Like, yeah. is it like you see your work get to a certain level, or is it that you just dealt with so many bad clients that it just makes you say, like, you know what, I'm not doing this no more? Well, I, I think I think your clients will start to tell you, right, or your peers, okay, right? They'll start to tell you, like, oh, uh, this person only charged this, right, or. This is only the price. I mean, this is only the price for this right here. Oh, you only charge $30 for a wedding? Oh, that's great. Right? And you start to look at what you do and what others do, and you say, well, I need. I probably need to come up with my prices because I know that I'm a lot better than that guy, or I know mm-hmm. I'm a lot better than that person. And you start comparing yourself, and you say, okay, well, if I do go up on my prices, I'm going to lose out on, you know, those easy grabs, right? Um, but if you go up on your prices... Those people are only going to refer you to people like them. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we've said it before, like, you know, the price that you charge for your service is a huge indicator to your potential clients. Like, this is the level mm. of quality that I'm providing. But then it also says yeah. these are the level of clients that I'm hoping to attract. And okay. I, I think oftentimes it's it's tough to make that transition to like, OK, I'm going to boost my prices but then I remember earlier on when you started to transition to 
just seeking out a different client base. Like you yeah. started, and, and this is something both of us started doing. Like we started yeah. working predominantly with corporate clients. Absolutely, absolutely. Why? Why was that the case? I know why I did it. But, well, <laughs> I, I, well, if I'm being honest, it, it was because they don't haggle the price. The price is what it is, and I don't have to negotiate anything. Yeah. You know, uh, versus the individual, you know, you're going back and forth on a price on, on affordability. Uh, corporate, I, I like to deal with people that have budgets, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to see how I fall into that budget, right? And when I say budget, I'm not talking about, hey, look, you know, Bob down the street is charging, you know, $30 less because corporate clients or bigger clients, they're not going to haggle you on $100 yeah. or $200. You know what I'm saying? It's not. They're not going to go that minute on the price. They're going to give you what you're asking for as long as you deliver on the quality. But I, I remember I was watching this guy. I don't know if you uh, watch him. His name is uh, Jay Morrison, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, how do you determine the price? He's just, you have to you have to create that market that you want to be in, right? So for him, like he's a he, he does real estate. And he was like, I wanted to be a celebrity realtor. I had no real estate experience as far as like having celebrity clients. But I told people that is what I do. And then yeah. you start to attract those people. So it goes back to what you're saying. It's like, well, if I want a certain clientele and I only want it at a certain tier, I got to position myself out there as if, as if like, yo, this is the only one I'm accepting. No, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And then you'll start attracting those type of people. So. Isn't that kind of like a dangerous game, though, sometimes? Like, mm. where you can... And, I'm just speaking like for myself, like if I said that I want to specialize in a certain area earlier on, yeah. but I didn't have the skills, wouldn't if I do that prematurely, it could really just deter your business altogether because you get a bad reputation, well, you know, yeah. because you're not able to deliver. Like say, you know, this guy says, you know what, I want to be a celebrity realtor and okay, somebody comes and then you mishandle that whole situation. All it takes is one bad review to just really set your business back <laughs> years. But I mean that 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 comes with any field you go into, right? Yeah. Like whether it's whether it's if you're not a celebrity realtor, right? You're just a regular realtor. That one bad review can you know set you back. But I, I think the you know bigger risk, bigger reward, right? So it's okay. you know if you if you want to be you know in a certain tier, you got to position yourself to. You know, as that, and you you'll start to attract it. It is a dangerous game, though. It's a it's a dangerous game because if you can't perform, they're going to tell everybody in their circle about you, and then that kind of just ruin your reputation. And and I'm really just playing devil's advocate because I definitely <laughs> <Okay>. did that. <laughs> like I had but, no yeah, experience was, in the situation, like with yeah. the photo booths, and I was just, I just said I do that. it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's really about, and I think it goes back to like you know having confidence in what your ability is, even if you haven't done something before. Like, your confidence in your ability to understand, okay, well, this is what it'll take for me to get from point A to point B is sometimes all that's needed. And I've been seeing that a lot with um, with this house that I'm rehabbing. Like, okay. you know, I have zero experience with any of the, the stuff that I've been doing. But it's like, you know what, I got the confidence in myself and I surrounded myself with mentors. You know, like uh, my father-in-law, he's been helping a lot. And people that I can get information from that's going to help me to be able to do the job that I'm looking to do. And with that, 
it builds confidence in itself as you you know you get in there and you start getting the ball rolling. But I know that's not the norm. I, I know that's not the norm. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say like I'm an outlier or anything. Is it really is like a slippery slope when you get into these things because lack of experience can lead to a lot of mishaps. And well, here, go for it. Here, here's the question I got for you though: Does confidence in yourself outweigh, or you know, yeah, outweigh um, experience? Can can the confidence in what you're doing outweigh your actual experience? That is a really good question. And I think it can. And the only reason, okay. and I'm just speaking for myself, and the only reason why I think that is because if you have confidence in your abilities, most likely you're going to do what's necessary to get whatever it is done. You know, Ooh. if you're confident, that means that you're at least going to put in the work. Like, if I'm not, it's easy to say, like, yeah, you know, um, I, I can do this. But then be lazy in the approach to it, then that's where you're going to get, like, those poor results. But if you're confident in your ability then I think that's going to make you want to work harder to get whatever it is done, if that if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I think I think the confident, I think someone who's confident is also resourceful. That's yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't so say it better. Th- yeah, and I think that's where it comes into play, right? Like, even if I like you said, like before, you was like, hey, I never did photo booths, but I think you're like probably one of the most confident people that I know, right? Even with the rehab, you never done it, but but you're resourceful. You know where to find the information at. And I think that that then the resourcing that you have actually turns into experience down the line. So, I mean. Man. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And um, you mentioned it on one of the previous episodes where we talk about, like, YouTube University. Or you was like, there's no excuses for people to lack knowledge, you know, about certain things. Or, like, information. I'm going to say information. Because there's a huge difference between knowledge and information. Because, like, you can have the information about something, but you don't know how to apply it. You know, that that's where the knowledge comes in. And then when you do something repetitively, based off of your knowledge, that's where that experience comes in. But I think, like, with all the information that's out there, as long as you know how to decipher through it and yeah. weed through and it... it you, there's no excuses to be honest because there's so much free game out there I'm like the, when I learned how to install carpet like the guy that I watched the video for he does it professionally like why would you be giving away like your trade secrets but then that mm. also comes back into I'm confident in my ability so much as a as a skilled carpenter that I don't yeah. care I can give you this free game I'm still going to mm-hmm. clients because they're going to come back to me and yeah, yeah it, it, it's just confidence is I- key Confidence is key, right? I remember uh, not too long ago, I mean, what, this month? I First off, I painted before, right? <laughs> like, like I, I've painted before and, you know, I painted, you know, my, my grandmother's house and things like that. But I haven't painted in about 15 years, mm-hmm. right? Last time I painted, I was probably like 16 years old, right? Um, but I, I remember reaching out to you and you was like, man, dude, you went on YouTube, did this, did that. And you gave me the pointers on what to get and what not to get. Mm-hmm. And what helped you out and what didn't help you out. Dude, I was confident. Like, I look at a video and, you know, five, ten minutes, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm ready to do this. it. I'm ready and, to do it. And, and like you said, with um, when you reached out to me, I'm instantly thinking, like, okay, these are all the things that I messed up doing. Let me make sure <laughs> that my guy <laughs> doesn't yeah. go through the same thing. So, I mean, just just also having somebody that you can look or reach out to, like, that's an asset in and of itself. Because... Yeah. 
there is a, a lot of stuff that you can find on YouTube, but there's a lot of stuff that you don't find. But if you find oh. somebody who's going through the experience already, they'll tell you how to circumvent some of the obstacles that they face. And I, I, I remember I told you, I think I told you to get you an angled brush because when yeah, I was painting, gold. I was painting with a regular brush and I couldn't get those corners for nothing. So I was like, <laughs> let me make sure bro don't go through that same thing. Yeah, yeah. Here's a question, right? This is a, this is a little, I wanted to ask you this, right? Uh, on a couple episodes of, uh, ago, right? I, I saw one of my boys post a post and it said that if you do things cheaply, you'll end up paying more down the line. What's your What's your thoughts on that? It depends. <laughs> it, it really okay. does depend. Um, I, I don't think there's like a one size fits all for that. Like there's some projects that you can handle, like where you can kind of skim, but then there's other things where you don't want to. And I'm just thinking about like in, in, in my businesses that I've operated, like I don't have top of the line stuff. So I don't go for like for the luxury items, like in terms of like my camera or like my printer for my photo booth. Yeah. But I'm not doing it with the basic stuff either. You know, it's a, a medium. Mm. And then there's, you can find, I think with proper experience and through time, you find what you can get away with and what you definitely can't. Like there's, yeah, the the printer that I first started out with for my photo booth, there's no way that I would want to use it now. But my business has kind of grown to the point where that's not even feasible, right? So I think you mentioned it before, like you got to always assess your business and where you're at. Like sometimes it takes using like the cheap stuff just to kind of get a feel for things. But then as you grow and develop, now you can, it justifies you having some of the more expensive things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you say over the years you became more efficient with less than you did? Or when you started out, you had more with less experience? I think over time, when I was able to get some of the more expensive things, by working with the cheaper things for so long, it puts you on a whole nother level when you got like the right tools. Like if yeah. you're a painter, you can, if somebody's a skilled painter, <laughs> you can get a watercolor yeah. set from Walmart and make a beautiful masterpiece. But Ooh. for somebody who doesn't have that experience, they're not going to be able to do that same thing with that same watercolor set from Walmart. But yeah. if you've been practicing a lot with that watercolor, when you get some real decent <laughs> like paints and stuff, you'll be able to do a lot more. So I think experience teaches you, but working with that cheaper stuff kind of molds you in oh. a sense. Because can like you get a bar truck, can we get a mic hey, job for Learning how to work with less and there's so many life lessons in that. Like we go back to like even like our upbringing. You you work with a lack, you know, financially. And it helps to shape you into the person that you are and gives you certain drives and you know things like that. So now if I've been working with like a cheap camera, when I got that more expensive camera and I know how to maneuver it or um, maneuver around it, I'm going to be able to get what I'm looking for because I've been able to get what I was looking for out of the cheaper thing. That, that's a bar but, but I mean, how, how, how do you respond to that? Uh, dude, I, I think that this is the same way, man. I think that you learn so much more from having less, right? Because you get so creative, right? Man, yeah. And, you know, once you do get more and you get those added bonuses to, you know, the equipment or whatever, it's like 
everything the the workflow just becomes a lot more easier mm-hmm. um, and yeah do I agree 100 percent so I'm thinking about like with this this project this house that I'm rehabbing like there's certain things that I was able to go a little bit cheaper on mm-hmm. but then there's one thing so certain things like I was like no I, I need to get this done right yeah. because like even in in the process of like me being able to find out how to do a lot of stuff on YouTube, mm-hmm. I still had to hire out a lot of jobs because there's always going to be that trade-off between doing something yourself and then outsourcing it because somebody has the more experience that can do it more efficiently. And mm-hmm. even then when you do the more efficient option, I think that's what really keeps your costs down as well. Yeah, and you know what? I always, I always have trouble with finding balance and me learning how to do it and do it myself or finding someone who already has the experience and have them do it. Right. Cause in my head I could do everything. Right. You know, if, you know, if I watch enough videos, if I, you know, read enough books, I'll figure it out. But I think it's, it's the time component that, yeah, you know, that it takes to get to that level. Right. You, you're talking about learning something on a basic level versus someone who learns something and got seven, eight, nine, ten years of experience. Exactly. And and that's what you're paying for. You know, I can easily do a lot of these things in my business, right? And do it officially, or I can outsource them and have somebody else do it that's a lot more effective than I could mm-hmm. ever be. And I think for me, going through this process, and this is my first, like, rehab, the reason why I'm doing so much stuff myself is so I can really assess you know what it really costs so Mm -hmm. then for future projects if somebody gives me a quote and i think it's a little you know up there i at least got something to you know reference like okay well i can't do it and it'll take me x amount of hours or i could just pay this money and they can do it so it really gives you like a little benchmark you know something to kind of compare to and then like you'll find out that there's certain things that you don't mind doing and certain things that you don't want to do. And I think every business owner <laughs> has certain aspects in their business that they absolutely don't like to do. And those are the things that you can outsource, but you got to be able to at least have a value associated with it to make sure that it's even worth it or that what you're paying is worth, you know, outsourcing. Absolutely. Agreed. hundred percent. And another thing, and um, I think this would be a nice little segment that we should start having on the podcast is um, I've been putting up these little polls recently just to kind of get some okay. feedback because I have a lot of professionals and entrepreneurs who you don't know, connect with on like Instagram and stuff. And I actually had this discussion with my, my business class this weekend on campus. And it's really because I guess we're kind of tied into like with the trade-offs that we were just talking about. And the question was, would you trade more time, I mean more money at your job but you have to work longer hours. Like, is there a certain, you know, I guess you're the, like the worst person to ask because you, you work for yourself. No, no, you know what? No, I think, yeah, go ahead. Ask the question. I think I got But, but I think, okay. So even like in your business, let's say that you work, <laughs> cause I know you don't got no set hours, but let's say that you, you <laughs> devote 30 yeah. hours per week, you know, to your real okay. estate business. Is there a certain number that can get you, to work an additional like 10 to 15 hours per week or do you value your time more than any additional number that they'd be able to throw out 
It's all about the time. Like that's that's the thing, right? Like for me, it's never about the money. It's about it's it's about the time, bro. How much time can I get to myself, right? While still trying to build a, a great life for myself, right? Like I don't want to work ninety hours a week and you know yeah. get paid more, but I have no time to spend the money, right? I'd rather get paid a a nice amount of money. And well, less money and be able to have my time back to myself because at the end of the day, that's something we can't get back, right? I, I saw so, this good quote that said, like, your income is measured in dollars, but your wealth is measured in time, absolutely. And absolutely, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and I think you know, for wealthier individuals, you get to a point where your money's making money on its own, so time is the asset that you really want to accumulate more of because it's the one thing that you can never get back. Yeah, and and here's the thing, right? And this, I guess, like statistics. I mean, you're you're econ major, right, professor? The you look at like the the the, the middle and lower class, right? That, those are the most people that trade time for money. But the ones that who who are the wealthiest are the ones who actually don't trade time for money. Like like what you said, their time is measured. I mean, their wealth is measured in time that mm-hmm. they can get back. And most wealthy people, man, they're not they're not working eighty hours a week, man. They're working, you know, ten, fifteen hours a week, but it's more effective, it's more efficient. They get a lot more done, and a lot of their money is working for themselves. And I mean, it's easier said than done, like once you get to that that you know, upper echelon financially, versus like if we are in like the, the lower middle, it's like you gotta work that extra because yep. you're trying to climb that ladder to get to the point where you're, you know, off well off enough financially to the point where you can get that money to work for itself. But how do you do that though? It's a question, right? Like how for someone who doesn't know, like how do they even get to the point of having their money work for themselves? Like how they don't know. Like how do they what do they even start? I mean to, to be <laughs> honest and, and to and to make it yeah. real plain, we've both been there though. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean we, we, we started out where we started out. And you look at where we're at now and where we're going. Ask yourself, how did you get there? It it's really is out there, you know, making connections, grinding. Like you got to be willing to put that work in because if you're starting from from lack, that means you're gonna have to work harder. And if you work mm. harder, you develop, you know, certain skills. Hopefully, that become marketable. When you have those marketable skills, you get jobs that pay. When you get the high paying jobs, hopefully you're able to move up. Or you're able to start a business where you're providing a good or service that's so unique that it brings money in. And then you start networking. Like, I learned so much. And this is one of the things I really valued about, like, getting my job as a, as a professor, like, right out of college. Was I was the youngest person in the department, but I had, to, I had the ability to have conversations with people who've been in the profession for, like, 20, 25 years. And you learn what they're doing with their money. And you kind of get like a a little step ahead because they're giving you the game. It's up to you to apply it. Which when you start networking with people, people want to see other people. Most people, most people want to see other people succeed. And most of the times with a lot of these people, if you ask, they'll tell you. So here's the question then. Do most people not become successful because they don't ask the right questions? 
it, it's it's that's part of the problem. That's part of it because yeah, you you got to know the right questions to ask. But more importantly, you got to be ready to do what that answer to that question is. Ooh, and that's the most that <laughs> that's, that's that the most important part and that's that's where I think a lot of people lack is with that follow through. Like if they cuz traditional wisdom will tell you all right, you get out of high school, you go to college, you're going to get a high-paying job. That's not the route now. And that's coming from an educator. Like, <laughs> right. that's, that's not the only way to do it. There's so much money in like having a, a trade or having certain type of skills. And, yes, college is probably the most, I don't want to say tried and true method. Like, you know, it's probably the most, like, if, if you're risk adverse, you know, like, that's probably the best way to go. But if you want to bet on yourself, there's other ways to do it. But you got to be willing to put the work in. So, yeah, you could be asking the right questions. But with those answers come back to you, you got to be willing to do what it's telling you to do. So, I mean, that, that's what it really just kind of boils down to. And I think that's a good place for us to start wrapping it up because I would love to get the feedback from our listeners and viewers on what their thoughts are about that. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, who are listening or, or watching that have climbed that ladder. And what do you think was probably the most important thing that helped you to get to the position that you're at? So, you know, let leave us some, some comments or send us messages and give us some feedback. And I think that's something that we can probably discuss in future episodes as well. But I do like the idea of incorporating, you know, a component from like maybe a poll or something that we do on Instagram or Facebook just to get some real-time results because it was really cool for me to be able to share with my students what professionals were talking about, you know, in terms of like that trade-off. And out of the 30 people that responded, 29 of them said time. Like you want to, they want to keep oh. that free time. And that's that's something Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 said a lot to me. Time. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. That's been another episode of the Wolf and the Doctor podcast. Again, I'm your host, Glenn Curry, alongside my co-host, Dr. John Devereaux. And whatever you guys are listening on or watching this on, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment below.